Hi, I'm Parker. And I'm Chelsea. And we're from New York Toy Collective. And you're listening to Massocats. <laughs> Thanks for downloading another episode. Uh, several people have been emailing you know, over and over and over again uh, asking, when is Saad going to be back on the show? And uh, she just looked at me like, what? No, yes. Several people have. And it's, I'm not sending it to myself either. Uh, you'll, you'll, be, you'll be happy to know that uh, I've checked with her agent, her publicist. They've all confirmed that, she, yes, she will be back on the show uh, in the coming months. So if you have any questions for Saad or maybe for us together, uh, go ahead and send an email to massacast at gmail.com. On with the show. This episode, it's someone who I've, I've been asking her to be on the show for years and years, and she finally, finally said yes. It's, uh, it's our friend Amiko, and uh, I had a, had a great time talking to her, and you'll, you'll hear why here. So enjoy. Uh, you said you were a little nervous? Yes. So first off, welcome to the show. <laughs> Thanks. Uh, can you say hello once for me? Just... Hello. Okay, cool. There we go. Now I just had to, had to do a quick uh, mic check. So uh, you said uh, before you came here, you talked to people who had been on the show in the past to ask them, like, what's it like, uh, you know, what, what did you have, like, a nightmare scenario of how what, what might be the worst? Not a nightmare scenario, but, you know, I'm curious. And So what did everyone say? I'm curious. What, what did people say? No, people were like, oh, it's totally fine. Do it. I've done it, you know, three times or whatever. And it's like everyone hates the sound of their own voice. So Right. Basically that. Who did you ask? Do you mind if I ask who you asked? <laughs> you, said, you said Cornelius. Yes. Who else? Ariana. Okay. Uh, Troy. Yeah. I think that's about it so far. Right. Well, like, yeah, Troy's been on numerous times, right? But it's super, it's super relaxed. Did anyone, can you, now, this will just stay between us <laughs> and the podcast listeners. Did anyone say anything like, ugh, just the smell that he gives up? Or, or did something, no? No. But I didn't interview a ton of people. But, uh, topics, no, it's so. true. So, but everyone seems to have had a positive experience? That seems to be the case. Okay. But they didn't say anything. I'm very curious. Now I'm a little worried about what maybe they would said. You did show up here, so they couldn't have said anything too bad. I know, right? but yeah, it was all very positive. So why uh, you just are you one of those people who are not comfortable talking about yourself, or you just don't like your? Because some people they just don't like talking, you know. Um, I think part of it is like committing it. Um, I've done lots of panels, so that's different. It's in the moment; it's forgettable. Yeah, oh, because this is permanent, <laughs> is what you're saying. Exactly. Uh, okay, I can understand that. Are you one of those people who, when you get a, you when you get on those panels, you're sort of the the, the all right here's the token sadist or or is one of those things or the token sadist the token sadist I've only done that one panel actually on on sadism so yeah. usually not the token sadist what uh, what do you, what are you sort of known as in the in the scene well I would say in the lifestyle community it's a little bit different I think a lot of people know me like or I did in a former iteration of who I am as a bottom or a demo bottom um, or you know. That girl in the kitchen handing out tea. Right. Um, <laughs> from, from our friend's mutual... We have a mutual friend who used to have this amazing... <laughs> good Christ. <laughs> we used to have a friend in the scene uh, who had this amazing space. And uh, that's no longer an amazing space anymore. So. Right. That's why probably it's been so long since I've seen you. Because our paths used to cross there all the time. Right? Yes. Right. So there, I hung out in the kitchen, mostly. Right. <laughs> so that was before... Uh, you were you were sort of the demo bottom. 
I mean, it did a lot of dumb bottoming. I mean, it came into the scene as a bottom, mostly, or like a, for a hot second, a submissive, um, which that didn't last too long. Um, but I still enjoy bottoming. Um, but so I'm less involved in the lifestyle now, I think, than I used to be as far as like teaching and things like that or demoing. But well, let's talk about sort of. You said you got into the scene as uh, more of a bottom or a submissive, but it didn't last long. What uh, what happened there? Um, well, you know, when I first moved to New York, I looked at, I discovered there was a whole world of kink outside of you know just the back of a magazine. Okay, let's get in more detail. How did that come about? How did you discover? Did you just like? Um, I did some googling. <laughs> so you knew you were interested in this. I, I'd always like been interested in that sort of thing. I don't think I just really ever thought to even like that I could Wikipedia it, yeah. which I actually didn't wiki it. I actually found these notes like the other night that I had, the notes I had written the first time I Googled it, and they're really embarrassing to look at now. <laughs> like what? <laughs> I'm like, submissive equals, like in some like dictionary definition, and then the masochist is... So you're very <laughs> academic in your... You were like doing a research paper almost for Apparently. yourself. Apparently. Um, but I, like, I was kinky, but I didn't know the words, so I felt like it was important to write down the like the key terms. Yeah. Um, so now I looked at that the other night, and I was like, "Oh, I'm such a dork." But um, I, I think I don't think that's there's a lot of people who they are kinky, but they haven't put a word to it. Right. They haven't needed to, right, for one reason or another. That they just like certain things, and they just haven't defined it. Yeah, I mean, I'd been doing stuff, you know, in my I guess personal life that I didn't have words for. Right. So that was helpful. Um, and then uh, it sort of that led to finding uh, that there were, you know. Actually, I looked at dungeons, like commercial dungeons first, because I was like, oh, okay, that's what that's about. Right. I didn't really know there was a lifestyle community at that point. Um, so which, wait, so you were, I'm sorry to keep you interrupting, but sure, no. so when you said you were, you first you were looking into commercial dungeons, meaning you were looking into paying a pro or becoming a pro? No, or? like, I mean, I think like, like working at a house maybe, right. and, but this is long before I actually did it. Right. So like, uh, I just was like, oh, that's a, that's an opportunity that exists in life. Um, <laughs> And then I think I found FetLife by accident. Like, I made a typo or something. <laughs> um, and I was like, wow, this is amazing. Um, and that really kind of changed everything. Because I was like, wait, there's a community of people. I was thinking there was only, like, dominatrixes and submissives. Well, I always thought, I remember when I first saw FetLife, I thought, here's a commercial. This is just some dating site, like alt.com right. or one of these things. I thought, okay, here's a scam, you know. And I looked into it a little bit more. I'm like... It's weird. At the time, they weren't, you know, they wouldn't even accept donations, which was very bizarre. But, um, so you joined FetLife. I did join FetLife. I was like kind of scared, and I didn't really do a lot then. Um, I definitely had an interest, and then I got into a conversation with someone I had known for a while, who I just assumed was sort of vanilla, and um, you know, with a couple of drinks, he started talking about this kinky date he'd been on, and and I was like, whoa, do you tie people up? And he was like, I do. I'm one of those guys. And I was like, do you have like, like things? And he's like, we call it gear. <laughs> and I was like, wow, that's exciting. Like you have gear. And he's like, yes, yeah. so I have a whole bunch of gear at home. Would you like to see it? And Wait, I was how long like, have you known yes. this person? I knew him for a long time, actually. Like probably like a year and a half. Um, and, uh, but I didn't know he was kinky at the time because he was like a friend of a friend. And, uh, so we went home and looked at his gear. I had never met anyone who had real gear. I had met people who had like pervertibles because yeah. they were like me. Yeah. Like what did he have? <laughs> he had like, you know, cuffs and collars and chains. And then also like, as I got to know him later, he's like actually a pretty heavy rubberist. So right. but he probably didn't take that stuff out in the beginning. He didn't want to scare people. A little he's, scary. Yeah. 
take on a box of gas masks. Right. <laughs> right. So that was super exciting. And I was like, I want to be your submissive. Like once I learned the word. <laughs> you, 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 okay, go on. Sorry. I, I'm sure I'll have a billion more comments and questions. <laughs> well, he was like, do you want to like try out some of this gear? And I was like, okay. Had you been intimate with him before, prior to that? No, but I didn't. Like, it wasn't necessarily, like, romantic or sexual. It was more like, wow, you have gear. And I, like, always wanted to, like, actually use, the like, the real thing. Right. He was hey, like, do you, you have want, things. He's like, do you want to try on these cuffs? And I was like, you bet I do. And then he's like, do you want to try on this collar? And I'm like, okay. Um, so then we kind of, like, you know, I got to learn all these things. And we had, like, a really brief kind of sort of DS. But it really wasn't. Like, I mean, I would know now that that's not actually what I would consider a very formal DS or, yeah. you know, structured arrangement, but I didn't know what a structured arrangement was back then. That first time you put on the cuffs and collars, was it, was there like, was it like an epiphany type of thing? Or is it because this was a friend that you had no intimacy with, it was sort of just a, a more of an academic thing? It wasn't entirely, it wasn't just academic. I mean, it was exciting to me because it's something I thought about my whole life that mm -hmm. I was excited about. So I was definitely like, let's like do all this stuff. And he's like, <laughs> whoa, slow down there. Um, so, but like it was, it was really, uh, I don't know. It was like, I'm here, I'm doing this thing finally. Yeah. Um, so that was a big, I guess, entry point for me. It's just like actually meeting a real life kinky person. Especially someone who you had known before, right? Yeah. So then I was like, oh, you're not a total like, you know, freak. <laughs> <laughs> I know different now. Right. So, so you tried it on. Yes. And, and, and did, you, did you play with him at all? Or? We played some. We did like a little bit of corporal and things like that. But that's not really, like, for him, not his main kink. It's more about, you know, bondage and, um, uh, like, later. I mean, although it didn't really apply to as much, like, protocol and things like that. Mm -hmm. um, but I was so, like, new to, like, what's what. I was like, a spreader bar. This yeah. is awesome. Right, of course. Um, so we did that. But, you know, we weren't that compatible as, um, like, as, as partners otherwise. Sure. <laughs> but it was a good learning experience in the beginning. He was not very community, um, like, active. So, you know, but he was very sort of encouraging me to, like, you know, because I said I have interest in, you know, becoming a dominatrix or I want to see what that's about. And he had friends who had, you know, done that. So he was like, oh, it's it's totally doable. It's not like a crazy world of, like, mafia and cocaine and it's going to be okay <laughs> if you do that. Because <laughs> I was a little worried. <laughs> so what was your next stage after that? Did you start going to events or did you just all over FetLife? Um, your... I kept looking at dungeons and whistling out, basically, and being like, no. And I tried to talk a vanilla friend into doing it with me, which is never a good idea. <laughs> Who then asked her boyfriend, can I be a dominatrix with her? And he's like, what? No, absolutely not. <laughs> what would you do? And she's like, I don't know, kick people in the face or something? Um, <laughs> because you were too scared to go alone. Yeah, it right. was like, I want someone to go with me. Sure. <laughs> Um, and, you know, actually, it wasn't, like, a few years went by before, like, eventually kind of it presented, like, I thought about it again, and just, like, things in my life aligned in a way that I could do it, and I was like, all right, I guess I might as well try, and if it sucks, I'll just leave. Sure. Um, but I still didn't really know, I, I guess I could have found other doms, maybe, and asked them, but that didn't occur to me as, like, something to do. Well, plus, especially when you're, when you're new, there are some people who just aren't accessible. They don't feel accessible, right? Right. right. Um, but after that, like, sort of loosely structured DS relationship, I knew, like, I was like, okay, I kind of want kinky partners after this. Um, but I didn't, I, like, missed on my aim and uh, <laughs> 
ended up with a vanilla boyfriend who was like, maybe I'm kinky. But the answer was like, no, I'm not. (laughs) (laughs) Was he saying maybe because he didn't want to lose you or? He, I think, you know, he was kind of a goth kid. So he was of a subculture that has some connection to the kink scene. So he said, oh, there's some potential for me to be in that. Yeah. Um, But then later he was like, no, no. (laughs) How long did that last? Um, about, like, you know, he lasted a little bit, um, like a few months into me being a dom where he just couldn't handle that. Oh. So, but it, I don't think it was like a really great start anyways, because I had specifically said, I'm looking to sort of, you know, meet someone who's kinky. And I feel like this is where the relationships I want to have from now on are going to be like, so, um, but yeah, I did the interview and it seemed okay. Um, <laughs> I called a couple different places and I settled on one that there was a married couple, like a man and woman who were running it, which seemed like, oh, it's like a nice mom and pop dungeon. Yeah. So I don't know. That seems comforting. <laughs> <laughs> How'd that turn out? Um, I went to like the first interview and I said I was interested actually in a, being a pro sub was the first thing I said. Because I thought that would probably be the best way for me to learn at a house. And they were like, no, that's wrong. Right. <laughs> <laughs> you don't want to do that. Right. They were like, but everyone here has to pro-sub and pro-switch anyways, so you'll get that. They're like, but you don't want to do it all the time. Right. Like, you won't learn the things. Like It's not like it used to be back Wait, in the everyone day. there had to pro-sub? Pro-switch and pro-dom. That's kind of unusual, isn't it? A little bit. I think I think other houses have assigned subs, switches. Well, I think other and I could be totally wrong. Well, maybe it's just because the people I know, it's you, you, when you start working there, you are what you are. If you aren't, I mean, if you aren't, there, obviously there are some people who aren't inherently kinky at all. Right. And so they're maybe comfortable doing everything. But if someone's a dominant and they go in, I mean, I can't imagine someone, sorry, you have to sub as well. <laughs> it's, it just seems kind of weird. I think um, a lot of people who start at the commercial houses are curious more than they're experienced. Right. So it makes less of a difference sometimes, or they will come to figure out what they want. Right. Um, and basically, if you went there and you figured out that you have no interest in pro-subbing, you would probably figure out how to like never end up in that situation. Right, right, yeah. That's true, that's true. <laughs> Um, but I was thinking because I'd been reading Wikipedia and Google that you're like, okay, like you should come up through the ranks. And they were like, we're a commercial dungeon. We don't do that. There are no ranks. <laughs> um, but so I did feel like there was something lacking because of that. So I started to get involved in the community once I figured out there was one. And then I realized there was a huge difference between like a commercial dungeon and the lifestyle community. Um, I'm glad I like found the other avenue though. So what was the revelation when you found, I mean, I mean, I, obviously, I know there's a difference, but right. what was the, what were the things you noticed? Um, well, you know, it wasn't obviously just kind of this singular, like, one-shot experience where you just play or whatever. It's just S&M or it's just this really quick fantasy. There are people who are living in functional, healthy-seeming <laughs> relationships <laughs> and households, and this is, like really a lifestyle choice like versus a like something I like to do on a Tuesday afternoon when I have an hour to kill. Right. Um, and I also got to see like there are so many different shades of like what is quote unquote kinky yeah. and functionally kinky or like how much does kink play a part in your life? <laughs> functionally kinky. That's a great <laughs> I'm functionally kinky. I'm kinky but I can you know I can I can pass. I can pass. You're Doing the pro thing, and then you also find the the lifestyle scene. Um, did that change your attitude while you were in the when you went to work? 
I think so. Um, definitely. Well, you know, like one thing that the turnover rate, you may not know this, at a commercial dungeon is very high. Um, so education isn't always the focus because if someone's only going to stay for three days... Yeah, you know, you don't put a lot of time and effort into them. <laughs> just gonna leave. But one could say, one could argue that maybe if someone had more education in, in it, they might stick around longer. Possibly. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was not satisfied with the skill set I'd been given, which was not like particularly much. Um, and I had an interest inherent of you know my own personal life. So I found Tez and started going to their classes, which was awesome. And um, Realized there was like a million things to learn, and still are yeah. a million things to learn, and that there are also cool people out there. And I met like most of the people I know in the scene now, um, then, and uh, and I learned a lot more actually about beyond just like S and M. Like I didn't really know anything about structure, like DS relationships, or structure? the MS community, things right. like that. Um, so that also like had a big influence on how then I wanted to approach my sessions, right. Um, or, like, I wanted to, like, give some of this knowledge to, like, the clientele. Although most of them, honestly, are like, I'm just here on a Tuesday because this is what I do when I have an hour to kill. Right. <laughs> so, when you... I'm curious about the before and after. So, at, <laughs> when you would seen... Before you were you had more knowledge in the in the lifestyle, um, what was a, what, would a, what did a scene look like to you? Um, well, I guess... Well, I would say session. For session, our, okay. Yes. Um, What's the difference? For me, you know, a scene, I think, you, for me, like, I think a session implies that it, there's a, uh, like, a service component in the sense that it's probably a commercial, like, or business arrangement. Sure. Which means, like, there's different, for me, often different parameters. Um, like, I would scene with someone I probably knew better, and I could, like, we could explore that dynamic in a different way, or we could push, like, limits further than I might push with someone I've never met. Right. And have had, like, a five-minute negotiation conversation with. Sure. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> Um, well, that's interesting. I never thought about that, but you're absolutely right. Yeah. So, so, so your your first your your sessions compared <laughs> to you know before compared to after when you in that same notebook with my definition of submissive and masculine and such, I also found really like humiliating at this point um, notes I had written about what I thought might be a good quote unquote like scene in a session or okay. something <laughs> like that. Hold that thought. I'm gonna get the microphone closer. <laughs> So what did what did this scene? <laughs> I'm not really into public humiliation, but um, <laughs> I had, like written down like of course like these like really cheesy lines of like what I thought you know would be hot, <laughs> like and then I would like write little sub notes of where I would interject with something corporal. Did you have? Do you have any can, an example? <laughs> first of all, first of all. I think it's it's awesome that you did this because the only reason why you're laughing is because you're reflecting on it with your knowledge now, right? Yes. Right. Whereas at the time, I'm sure it. it I'm, I'm, I, in fact, I can guarantee it. Someone's <laughs> going to hear you describe it, and they're going to be totally turned on by it. Maybe you don't want to say it, that <laughs> but give me. Can you give me an example? Um, I think I just started to learn a little bit about structure and protocol. So I had this idea that I would teach protocol through corporal, like I would like beat protocol into that <laughs> which I like I mean there's some like level of that I might do now but and I'd written things like in parentheses like you know using cane whack 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 like <laughs> I just found this like I found this last night and I was like oh no that is awesome I need to burn this could you scan it 
and then we can put it up on the on the website, or just even just a little highlight of it. Maybe I will. Um, I do have that notebook pulled out. So yes, yes, awesome. <laughs> just the I think that would be just great to see, you know. But it also shows that everyone starts somewhere, right? I you know later I stayed at the house for a few years and I would train some of the newer you know ladies and they would come in with dialogue from kink.com which I love them but like I think that's a specific kind of scene that's happening so Absolutely. it doesn't always work as like a catch all right and they'd be like oh I heard this great line on you know on whatever this show and I'd be like you know I don't really feel like that's as cool as it sounds in your head right. in life <laughs> Well, also, I mean, again, kink.com, a lot of people can either love them or hate them, but the dialogue is not meant for, I don't know who the dialogue is meant for. I think it's just because they, uh, they don't know what else to say, so they say fill-in-the-blank thing, right? I mean, yeah. there are some people, I'm sh- I, I, I take that back, not everyone, but there are some people who, you know, you, you're just, they're better off just not talking because that's, what they're saying is just so, I don't know where that comes from. I would often say, like, don't, like, it. you know, if you're, like, reciting lines, it's never going to sound, usually not, natural <laughs> or appropriate for the moment, Oh, even. you're a very bad, bad line? Yes, I would, like, cr- I definitely sat through some, like, you know, sessions where I had to, like, cringe, and I'm like, oh, please stop. Just, just quiet. Yeah. Silence is good. Right, right. I'm actually pretty silent in session these days. <laughs> I think that quiet is good. So you you uh, were exploring more, both personally. Were, were were you exploring more in your personal life? I should say your. You, you mentioned earlier your boyfriend or your partner at the time. Mm-hmm. At first, he was fine with it. At first, he thought he could be okay with it, or he wanted to see how. He was like, I think I can be open to mind about the situation. Um, but as it went by, and I would try to like get him to like like hey you know like. Do you like to do this? Like, let's try this or that. And he didn't like any of it. Um, but then he also, he just really couldn't handle me doing it with other people. Mm-hmm. So that was, like, sort of the biggest factor. And, and he would want to know details, you know. And, and he would just be like, oh, it hurts my heart, you know, to, like, think that you're having this, like, you know, this connection with someone that I can't ever give you, basically, because right. I'm not kinky. Um, so that, you know, kind of went by the wayside. Sure. I mean... I- and, and that's a tough thing, right? Because especially if someone is wired a certain way to... Just how there are people who are wired to be polyamorous. There are people who are wired to be monogamous. Um, it's really interesting because I, I know a lot of people who are pros and would be... And are just amazing people. But because it's really hard to find... You'd think it would be easy, <laughs> right? With all the guys who are just desperate to, right. to be with them. But uh, in, in practice, there's a lot of... There's a lot of hoops to jump through, right? Yeah. I've got so many friends who I just, I, I want to set up with other friends, but I know that it's hard because they're pros, right? So after that ended, were you like, I'm free, baby, and just went went nuts or what um, No, I, you know, I had, like, by then I had gotten involved in the community and things like that. Um, I kind of found my mentor, I guess, um, and uh, we had started to... I don't, really, I don't know the exact timing, but I feel like we had started to form that relationship of like mentorship in some play. Um, and then I also had like a submissive type <laughs> who like we had sort of like really clicked. Um, 
you know, but like I hadn't necessarily pursued relationships with those people at the time because I was in one, but now I was free to do that. Yeah. Um, and they both happened at the same time, yeah. pretty much. So then I also got to explore the exciting world of polyamory. <laughs> what was that like for you? Um, it like made perfect sense. It actually, um, and at the time, uh, and it felt like perfect. I was like, this is great. Like, <laughs> what's not like, what's not to like about this? Sure. <laughs> Um, I'm not polyamorous now, so I do think it is something that, you know, like, you don't have to always be in that dynamic. Is it is it that you found someone you want to be monogamous with, or is it just the, the fact that you're like, you know, there are aspects of polyamory that just don't ring true to you? There is a little bit of both of those things. Um, and I don't know that we're monogamous. I think that my partner now, we would, you know, invite people over or whatever. <laughs> we're open-minded. We could become polyamorous. Um, but right now, it's like we, like... I don't have any other kink needs aside from, like, what I already do now. Mm-hmm. Um, and relationship-wise, I'm good, too, <laughs> at the moment. You, you said you were, you were a demo bottom for a lot of stuff. Yeah. What was that like? Because I've demo bottom before. For those people who don't know, uh, it, whether at a class, a kinky class, or maybe it'll be just a, a one-time, like, a test presentation, or maybe it'll be a huge, like, weekend-long event filled with kinky classes and stuff like that. <laughs> The demo bottom is the person who will, let's say if there's a class on caning, right? The you, You're nodding. You already know this. I'm explaining this for the, for the listeners. <laughs> I, hope, I hope you're thinking, ah, I know all about this. I was there. Um, so let's say if there's a class on caning that Emiko uh, is going to be presenting, well, the person who she's going to do the caning on in front of everybody will be called the demo bottom. Right? So you did a lot of this demo bottoming. I did. Um, when I first you know, sort of got... Um, Involved in the scene enough, and I kind of found someone to really teach me, you know, what he knew. And uh, he kind of threw me under the bus. And I didn't know what a demo bottom was, actually, so it would have been great if I had listened to this podcast back then. Um, but he was like, hey, my friend needs a demo bottom. And I was like, great, I don't know what that is. And he's like, cool, then you can do it. And I was like, what? Uh, okay, what does that mean? <laughs> what was that for? It was for a violent wand class at Paddles, which I didn't know what a violent wand... Did I know what Paddles was? I, I might think I have, saw that, actually. I don't even know if I knew what Paddles was. <laughs> I may have seen that. You may have seen that I may as have been well. there for that. Did it do anything for you? Were you like... Well, I have a performance background, but that's not the same as yeah. like getting thrown up on the stage and getting electrocuted. <laughs> well, because some people really get off on being a demo bottom, right? Because they just love being watched, or they just love yeah. being whatever. I mean, it was exciting for me because I'd never... Uh, experienced any of that mm-hmm. um, and I don't have stage fright usually um, so there was that it was sort of fun um, and I did see that like there was a positive response to me as a demo bottom um, which like you know like I would get lots of emails after a demo bottom they'd be like you're so fun you scream so much like when you get electrocuted but I feel like that's natural <laughs> I reaction gonna, I was just gonna ask <laughs> I was just gonna ask if you got a lot of messages afterwards yes <laughs> That doesn't happen to guys. If you're oh. a, if you're a guy and you're a demo, I've been a demo bottom plenty of times. You didn't get fan mail. N- nobody sends a, a guy. <laughs> nobody sends guys anything, right? No, unless it's by accident. That's the only reason why. I think that's hilarious. But I have another friend who does demo bottoming as well every now and again, and she will say like, "Oh, well." After the presentation, she says, "Well, 
guess I better wait for my inbox to fill up again. I'm like, why? Why would that happen? She was because there's all these people watching you naked or something on stage, and yeah. then they're like, oh, she's into it, so I'm gonna. <laughs> so, do you get a lot of propositions afterwards? Um, I would. People would be like, oh, I really enjoyed that. You know, like I'd love to show you, blah blah blah. Or I'd love to like give you the experience of blah blah blah. Which I'd always like, thanks, no thanks, usually. Um, Did you ever take anyone up on their offer? Uh, I don't think so. <laughs> there's so many, you, you've lost track of everything that you did. <laughs> Um, Dude, but so was there anything that was like that you did as a demo bottom that you were a little like wow they're going to do that in front of people I don't know if I can do that or I didn't you know I'm not a huge fan of public nudity for myself there have been a couple of demos where it just made sense for the scene um, the very first one I did actually which you may have been at um, he said he had the electricity and he's like are you wearing an underwear or bra and I said yes and he's like well it's going to suck a lot more for you and I was like I'm willing to do it like because I want to stay modest and right. he was like I will trade you I'll make you a top out of saran wrap you know for your bra yeah which he did, and it was like kind of colored saran wrap. But of course, he made it for me in front of everyone, of so that kind of defeated the purpose. Right. <laughs> but by then, I was like, okay. Right. <laughs> so uh, you do all this demo bottoming. Did it give you an opportunity? Did, was there, Did it come to a point where you were like, you're, you're, you're learning things and experiencing things for the first time as a demo bottom? Definitely. I mean, I, I got to do like tons of stuff that I would never probably have done otherwise. But it's safe because you have witnesses, right? No. You know, you would think that, but some people, when they're giving the demo, feel like because they're in front of people, they could push you further because, you know. You're not going to say no or whatever. Exactly. Or like, I mean, not like in a non-consensual way, but in a like, like, you know, they're like, your demo bottom's going to be like a little braver probably with the audience. (laughs) Right. That's, that's, yeah, I never thought about that. Yeah. So you said that this is the point where you were sort of still being submissive? I mean, I was working as a pro-dom by then. Um, I had this partner, uh, or someone who eventually became a partner, I guess, who, you know, I demo bottom with. And, um, but we didn't have a structured relationship. Like, I mean, aside from like play, I bottomed. Yeah. Um, it was, it was great because I didn't know how to do anything <laughs> at that point. Um, but I learned a lot from bottoming, but I also I just like learned a lot of skills from that person in general. They just taught me those things too as a top. Yeah. Um, which was nice. But getting to experience it firsthand for me, I know as people say, like, that's not the only way, but for me, it makes a huge difference, especially when it comes to like, corporal yeah. to like know how much something sucks <laughs> that doesn't mean i'm not gonna do it to someone else right but i get like how much it sucks so were you finding yourself when you were bottoming desiring to be on the, on the other side of that um well you know i think i was in the very beginning like that was a really good way for me to learn but i was able to take what i learned as a bottom you know and then the next day take it to the dungeon as the top yeah. so and i say like you know i identified as a switch um primarily for a longer time i mean now i've kind of figured out i want to switch with like one person yeah. maybe um but so i still like bottoming and but it's like being the switch and being with the switch is a like perfect balance for me i'll, I'll have follow-up questions to that okay okay <laughs> so uh and now you're you're you have a partner you guys are monogamous right now monogamous type of thing yeah how did what? So what was that like? Or did, did you uh, did you talk about being monogamous, or did it just sort of happen this way? Um, actually, when we met, he referred to me as super poly. Oh, you're super poly. <laughs> <laughs> um, but like those sort of things went by the wayside, and I wasn't super poly anymore. <laughs> and because um, there are some people who are, when, uh, when they're poly, it's almost like a religion. It's almost it's almost like it's akin to. 
uh, people when they have kids, they're mm-hmm. like, oh, you've got to have kids. Or, uh, or in my case, it'd be like, oh, you've got to buy a Mac. It's just so much better. And there are some people who, when they're, when they're poly, they're like, oh, we just became poly. It's so amazing. You've got to, they're really trying to push it. I right? went through that phase, of course. You did? You, you, so you, you try to sell polyamory to people? I don't know if I would sell it to them, but I like, definitely could preach it. Um, you know, and, and somewhat really because I was involved in the education scene and also in the polyamory community, there was some level of preaching it. Right. <laughs> But that's it's, it's it's such a hard sell because it's almost like uh, I, th- I think I've said this on the podcast before. It's almost like trying to explain uh, why you like a flavor of ice cream to sure. someone. I mean, like, well, but if they don't like shrimp sorbet, <laughs> it's not gonna you know shrimp sorbet. But you know what I mean. You can't really you can't really convince someone if it's just not appealing right. to them, right? I always thought, and, and and this is horrible, but because because I'm wired as monogamous, I always thought well. If I was married to someone I didn't like, I would totally be polyamorous, right? <laughs> but you know, I think in, in my mind that's the benefit. You right. Know, every almost every married guy I work with is just like, oh, don't get married, man. It's horrible. It's horrible. Just don't. And they, of course, they have no idea about what goes on between us. But um, yeah, I just it's really a hard sell. Oh, I think there's different, you know, sort of. I mean, polyamory is polyamory, but you could have like other sorts of dynamics that allow for other partners yeah. that aren't. I wouldn't call them polyamory. Um, you know, polyamory just kind of fell into my life because I happened to like really connect with two people at the same time. You know, and it just like it was just like, and neither, and both were really comfortable with each other, so that just kind of happened. <laughs> so it was uh, rather than have to choose, yeah, right. And one, you know, like one was a top or you know a dominant, yeah. and. Another was like a submissive, slave-wired kind of person, so that was a good balance for me at the time. And so now you met this new person. Mm-hmm. Did you meet through the lifestyle scene, through the local scene, or how did you meet? <laughs> um, like basically through the scene. <laughs> basically, through, a... and we actually met through Twitter. But, oh, really? But like the, the kinky Twitter. <laughs> you know, there's all kinds of different Twitter. Oh, you know like... what? This, so that's really dangerous. What's happening right now is every single kinky guy is like, I'm just gonna. You know, every woman on Twitter, man. That's how it's going to work for me. <laughs> how did that come about? No, I mean, he just, like, I don't know. We had some mutual Twitter acquaintance, and we kind of tweeted back and forth. And then Was it, like, Twitter flirting, or was it, how did this go? I'd, like, I don't know, very mildly. <laughs> so how did it go from Twitter to Let's Meet? Did you guys eventually just happen to meet up in person, or did you did he say, or you say, hey, I'm interested in you. Let's go out for a dinner, or something like that. Or yeah, did- yeah, <laughs> um, we saw each other um, after. I mean, I think like Twitter is like what put each other on the or, like one another's radar. It mm. wasn't like two tweetbacks, and then it's like, hey, what's <laughs> up? I'm sure that happens for someone. Um, but eventually, you know, we we kind of exchanged some emails longer. You know, get past 140 characters sure. limit, um, and then we met and we just had really good chemistry. So, I don't know. And how long have you been together? <laughs> Um, oh, I'm sorry. I don't know. Like, like not a lot. Uh, you could look at your Twitter <laughs> history and probably find out. Um, like maybe eight or nine months now. Okay. Yeah. What's and, and you're still doing pro work. Mm-hmm. And what's different between him and your first relationship when you first started doing pro? Is he just fine with it, or he's kinky, is, so that helps. Right. <laughs> but has there ever been? Because I'm always fascinating because at first with Sada Knight was not. It wasn't, I mean, it wasn't, obviously, she had, I knew going into it, she was a pro, right? right. It's not like we started in a relationship, but it, oh, it was always a, 
you know, I had to ask questions like, okay, what is the, what are the things you don't do? Right. So I know, you know, what, and, um, it was really, really hard at first for me to, to kind of like, all right, okay. Um, and how, so how does it with you two? He's not, um, a jealous person. Well, that's not entirely true, but like in a traditional sort of right. like definition of jealous, like he, that's not really an issue. Um, he's really kinky. He's really open-minded. He's a switch. Um, so I think all those things kind of help. Right. Um, and, you know, he wasn't, like, super familiar with the lifestyle community, so we've, that's something we've done together. But he's also, like, very just open-minded, and um, which makes a huge difference. And I was super poly when, you know, <laughs> I met him, so he had to be open-minded. Super poly. That's his word. How do you, uh, and you guys switch together. How does that, which is fascinating, because I, there's so many times that you find people in the lifestyle that meet each other, and it's usually one switch, and they have... Their other, their partner's something else. It's one or the other, but they're not another switch. Um, how, how do you guys negotiate your switch? Uh, you know, it's funny. I was just having this conversation with another switch, um, and he was like, "How does that work? <laughs> I've never had a switch partner, yeah. even though I'm a switch." Um, well, you know, for a while I topped him, and then I asked him something like, "How are you with a flogger?" <laughs> and he was like, "Oh." <laughs> Because I knew he was a top. He just had been like, oh, you know, I don't necessarily... You haven't asked me to top you, so... Yeah. <laughs> um, which I did. I think he was just fine with... He was just like, well, whatever she wants, it's fine. <laughs> it's fine. Um, so he did that, and he's like, I don't know, he like, is a good top for me. And I'm also, like, really, really picky about who I bought him or switch with or, like, things like that. Usually, like, that's, like, one person. And so even if I'm super poly, I'm, like, monogamous when it comes to bottoming, possibly. <laughs> um so, like, the way we do it now is we kind of just, I don't know, like, we sometimes we design these really elaborate, like, triptychs of scenes that involve, you know, someone being the top, and then, like, a bottom scene, and then it, like, culminates with, like, maybe something more fluid, um, like, storytelling So you scenes. plan it out ahead of time? We do that you for, have, like, like big scenes. Some, for some of the big ones, like, that involve, like, you know, something elaborate. Um, but otherwise, it will just be, like... I, you know, we have a real jonesy to get single tailed. Like, I really just need the crap beat out of me. Do you want to do that Tuesday? Okay, cool. <laughs> okay, we have to go through the more elaborate. <laughs> Can you go through, like, one of the more elaborate scenes of how you planned out the scene? Yeah, um, well, well, like, we, like, even though, like, I see him all the time and, you know, we talk face-to-face, it's nice to write it down because we both are writers on some level. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we'll write out, you know, some sketches. And uh, then that will, like, so, the, like, one of the last elaborate scenes, or, like, maybe I should talk about one we might do later, um, is, uh, I was like, you know what would be fun is if we did some kind of, like, red riding hood, big bad wolf kind of, like, dynamic, right? Because <laughs> we like costumes sometimes. Not that that, you know, is the end-all be-all. Right. But so we would do a variation that was sort of, like, you know, something, like, him topping me as like a big bad wolf kind of and then um you know i would have my revenge on him and we were like it's gonna culminate with pup night at the eagle where he's just totally domesticated (laughs) 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 but so we've done variations on that with different scenes like just for the big scenes we plan out like in the story because they're fun um to do like this really big costume elaborate or like you know if we need special equipment (laughs) how often but how often does it happen where you planned it out like this really elaborate thing Um, And also, when you're planning it out, does one person say, no, 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 no. 
we got to do this first. Or, or no, no. See, it has to be the caning first, then the flogging. We or, do a little bit of that. I mean, we don't get like down to the specifics of the caning and flogging, but it might be like, oh, you know what a better idea is? Um, so we, like, I don't know, we do them like quarterly or something at this point. But it's, that's not every scene we do, but it is fun to plan these really elaborate big ones. Um, Are these like seven-hour things? Or are you doing, like, full like, um, costume changes? It's like a share concert or something. Well, like, there would be multiple scenes over, like, a week or something. Oh, okay. So maybe, like, a three-parter. Or, you know, or if there was, like, a party, maybe we were going to plan towards that one to, like, do a certain thing for it. That's really like that. fascinating. Um, but we also just do normal people scenes. <laughs> <laughs> normal, not normal people yeah, scenes. Yeah, functionally right. kinky. Right. Um... So it That's doesn't really always have to be giant costumes, but it's fun to do. <laughs> so how do you broach the, I mean, so when you, the first time you planned it out, do you both, I'm just, I'm not, I'm not saying, I'm not, hoping I'm not making you feel uncomfortable no. talking about it, because it's really fascinating stuff. So the first time you planned it out, you said, all right, you got out Evernote, or you got out, you got out your sketch thing, and you're like, okay, I think we should have a really elaborate thing, or did you just sort of like naturally sort of evolve? I mean, he had written me a lot of like his interest, and I had also written like sort of like we'd written long correspondences of like what you know we were interested in and things like that, like the long negotiation. <laughs> and um, but he also liked to write scenarios, so that kind of started it, and then we kind of like expanded on that, and then started writing them together. Right. <laughs> Well, it's really that's really fascinating. And, and was it was it anything like your original your your original you know, write ups when you said parentheses whack whack whack? You know? <laughs> I would like to think they're better, but in three years from now, I'm probably going to look back at them and be like, oh, <laughs> oh no, <laughs> we already did that. We looked at some emails we exchanged like you know like nine months ago, and he's like, I, I can't. It's too embarrassing to read these now. <laughs> that's funny. That's funny. So, do you have any advice for people uh, who are going through like one's a pro and the other person is? Not. Do you have any advice on, on negotiating that or how? I don't know. I'm, I... But are also for the pro, this is also helpful for the people who are pro- professional who are wondering how do they find someone who's open-minded like that. Yeah. Um, all right. So I've got a few other questions here. Okay. Uh, oh, yes. I'm curious. Uh, uh, it's always fascinating to hear someone, especially when they're just starting out, do you remember your very first scene as a pro, or your very first session? Yes. <laughs> See, this is in the same notebook. I gotta burn this notebook. Um, so I used to write down, like, just for myself, not like for my tell-all, you know, like awful book or anything <laughs> like that. Um, and we just kind of like do a basic sketch of what happened, and you know, so that I could remember the next time I saw them. Right. So the very first one I did that wasn't a training session was like a bondage scene, except I didn't know any bondage. So that made it a little bit difficult. Uh, I mean, I kind of knew how to tie, like, a couple... No, not really. Uh, <laughs> you tied your shoes before. I tied my shoes. Yeah. I knew how to tie a slip knot. Um, and, you know, so That's I... That's not nothing. Yeah, I kind of didn't get that bondage is actually supposed to be restrictive, maybe. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, so I, I kind of did this elaborate stuff with the rope, and he kind of just pulled... Like his entire self out of it, and he was like, "It's kind of loose." <laughs> and I was like, "Oh, let me try again." Oh man, did he was like, "Okay, well, well, whatever." Or yeah, I think he he knew I was new, so right. that doesn't really help either. Right? You know, um, and I was just like, "Oh, sorry." There's a danger when when someone when I uh, I've heard of uh, if a someone is just starting out. There's a danger to letting them know that this is your first time or you're not very new. Right. But also at the same time, there's a, 
sort of a danger to not by not letting them know, right? I think that like for a lot of the clientele, like that frequent houses, they know who's new. Right. They just know the roster. Right. Right, so that helps. And, and, and some th- people kind of want to see someone who's inexperienced. <laughs> Why is that? Because they can get away with more or because they just... They can uh, really top from the bottom the entire time and... <laughs> that's horrible. Did you, have you, did you experience that? Quite oh, of course. I mean, I think that like anyone who's ever come up like or started at a commercial house like learns by having like a lot of not great clients, obviously. So what, like, what, what type of top from the bottom examples? I mean, what do you mean? Um, I mean, I know what that means, but can I... Sure. Um, you know, there was like... Uh, there was someone who, like, had specific, you know, ways he wanted me to do things. And it wasn't, like, sexual or anything, but it would just be like, oh, okay, put my hand, like, right here. And, and like, and I'd be like, oh, okay. You know. <laughs> 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 Thanks uh, for helping. <laughs> so there's, uh, uh, there's something that's always uncomfortable to, t- to bring up, but I think, because I, I have so many friends who hate this, mm-hmm. but at the same time, it's a very complicated subject and that is asian fetish right right do you mind if we talking about that oh, no you're not asian no, but i want to talk about it <laughs> no that's fine uh, but because it is a sensitive subject right yes um i i mean i have never understood i want to s- s- stress this right now <laughs> i've never understood fetishizing uh, a race or something right. like that i mean so it's not like i just but there are a lot of people who that seems to be a big thing, right? Right. Do you come upon this quite a bit, or I mean, is this the basis of your? Is this because I know I know someone and you do too who, yes. who who will basically say, "Look, I hate that," but it is also sort of how I'm getting clients because right. they're right. Mm-hmm. Um, well, it, but also, also I'm sure in both you or in this other friend's situation, there are people who are going to just because you're amazing dominance, not because of your race, right? Right. Um, well, I like that you're like, even though you're not Asian. Uh, <laughs> well, because no one can see you, right? Well, well sorry, they, they uh, when they see the pun. But it is funny because, you, what, like, so the like a commercial house like has a high turnover, mm. and so they kind of need to fill the slots, right? Right. Token Asian girl, token redhead, token blonde, blah, blah, blah. Um, and so I was a token Asian, and they would be like, you're not Asian enough. Could you be more Asian? <laughs> what, 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 what does that mean? That's what I would say. And they'd be like, you know, you know what that means. And I was like, I'm not going to, like, fake an accent and then get them into the oh. room and suddenly, like, talk like this. Wait, is that what they meant? I, th- I think so. Um. <laughs> but did, they, never, they never did expand upon it. They were like, you know, people want to see you because you're Asian. So if you were more Asian-like, then I think that would be helpful. But, but, hold on. <laughs> but wouldn't you... I mean, uh, okay, I'm sorry. I, I hate interrupting like this all the time. But I think the thing to say would be, like, uh, as the Asian one, I think... <laughs> I'm 100% Asian. I can't be more, you know. Oh, it's just funny. I mean, I do get what people. I mean, that's racial stereotyping, basically, right? I they mean, wanted a gong to play every time you walked in the door. <laughs> Is that the I might get one of those, anyways. Right, no. right. Um, yeah, a little bit. Yeah. Um, or they would meet me and they'd say, "Oh, you're really Western. I thought you would be more Asian, Asian. You know what I mean?" The clients would say this. Oh yeah. yeah. Like what is okay? Now what does that mean? Just the, the accent? Is that all they're talking about? I, I mean, there's also some like uh, like cultural stereotypes about. I don't know, behavior and things like that, possibly. I don't know what that would possibly... It's funny because, you know, some of the cultural stereotypes are there, like, each one more submissive. So, it's like, do you want me to be more submissive? Or that they're, like, there's the dragon lady sort of, like, stereotype, right? Which is, like, really hardcore. Um, Ah, okay. I I understand now. But I don't know. Do you ask someone to be more redhead? I don't... It's really weird. (laughs) Well, redheads do have a stereotype, too. It's kind of a bad example, but... um, 
So how do you, I mean, so when someone emails you, whether they're emailing you as a friend on FetLife right. or, or whatever, or whether they are emailing you as a you know possible client, can you identify the ones who have the Asian fetish right away? Or? I mean, some will just say it up front, so there's that. Um, but other than that, there's like, there's like coded language. Oh, I think I just love your exotic looks. Like, I just love like long black hair, something like that. Exotic. <laughs> But I, I, okay, it's just fun. I'm very no. I'm, I'm now. I'm angry that I even brought up the, the thing. Well, it's just funny for me because I'm so Western. Honestly, I mean, I feel very Western that it's hard for me to be like. I, I can't be more Asian. This is as Asian as it gets. <laughs> Um, but, you know, I have a performance background, as I was saying, and you find the same thing in, like, the entertainment industry is that they want you to be more Asian, too. Right. That's weird. <laughs> so how do you, I mean, how do you handle that? Do you say, like, all right, look, this is who I am, or do you, do you just say, sorry, I'm not into someone who's got Asian fetish, or how do you, how do you handle that? If that was the only interest, I probably wouldn't see them. Honestly, right. I don't think I would satisfy the quote-unquote Asian fetish, right. whatever that is. Um, and I'm just not that interested in, like, I mean, how do I do that? Like, I just would be in the room. Like, your fetish is satisfied. Boom. Um, <laughs> so I... I, <laughs> I, kind of, I, got, I need more stuff to work off. Right. <laughs> you know? uh, but do you get a lot of sort of, like, racist stuff that people bring up or is it not a lot I, I think also like I've kind of like I mean as an independent like I've cultivated a different sort of clientele yeah. um, at the house it was like you know I also didn't get a ton of clientele there that were just they probably had some appreciation for Asian women I think that's what they say um, <laughs> but they had other interests right so that helped because if someone was only as me being Asian I really was like I don't have anything to do with you right and it's got. I mean, it's but it's got to suck at the same time. But on one hand, I mean, who wants anyone? I mean, I I can't even speak from example because <laughs> no one ever says, you know, can you be more Norwegian? <laughs> I'm um, sure someone says that. What's that? <laughs> I'm sure someone. No one's that. ever said. No one's not to me. Maybe 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 if there was a woman, maybe. But, um, but so it's got to be. Is it? Do you find it uncomfortable to? The fact that this is a thing that you're also benefiting from that is... I mean, I get that it exists. Um, I'm not necessarily offended by it. I do, like, we have that friend that, like, is a little more offended by that situation, maybe. Um, But it is what it is, right? I mean, there are places that cater to that sort of thing. Um, I, as I said, this is as Asian as it gets. But I'm, so I'm offended on their behalf, on on your behalf, right, for it. (laughs) Um, and maybe it's a situation where it's just sort of like, look, some people are just fucking stupid, and you just got to <laughs> leave it at that, right? Maybe I don't know. It just I don't know if it makes you like I, you know, I, I guess like there's you can fetishize anything really. Yeah. Um, I mean, if I had Asian fetish, they probably wouldn't pick me, honestly. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. Do you? Uh, well, we'll get to that another. Uh, so you went when you went from working at a house to independent. Was that a a difficult switch or no it was like a long time coming at that point I'd probably been there a little bit longer or a lot a bit longer than I should have been at that point um you know I was involved in lifestyle like very heavily at that point I you know was learning a lot there were things I just couldn't do basically at a commercial house at right. least the one I was at because they just hadn't cultivated the kind of clientele that were into like heavier S&M and things like that you right. know I was the only person who could throw a single tail and right. I really desperately wanted to single tail someone and the clients weren't dead. Nobody right. that wants single tail. Okay. <laughs> um, so, so, and you, yeah. You just you, you went independent and everything. 
you're much ha- you seem much happier now. I am much happier now. Um, and you know, like I had some nice, like really, I got really lucky, like finding good mentors and teachers and positive influences in the lifestyle who were like, dude. Get out of there. Yeah. <laughs> what are you doing? <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, I remember that time, too, when you were working there. And I remember every time I'd bring up the subject of you coming on, you go, I just got to get out of this place. And, then, and, this first, and you just, and it was not even a, oh, you know what? Let me get out of this current situation. It was just, it was a, oh, man. I, you know what? Oh, whoa. Um, there's a lot of, like, sitting on a couch at a commercial dungeon generally and there's a lot of like sort of not being able to cultivate the kind of clientele I mean you can to a certain extent you know uh, you know you click with who you click I mean most of my regulars followed me honestly right um, but that was because we like had figured out how to scene together like yeah. in a really nice way or whatever um, so now I you know I don't have to like session when I don't want to and I don't have to session with anyone I don't want to and I can pretty much run the kind of session I want to run which is awesome <laughs> if, if someone was was curious to start out now would you suggest that they do and like pay their dues in a house or would you say hey listen do it independently I think that you know there there are pros and cons and I, I think that like you know I, I don't know a ton of people who started from just pure independent honestly i think a lot of people have gone through the house and and sometimes they're good even if you do them for like a little bit of time to get like that's what that's like and that's what you don't want to do it's also good i i don't know who to attribute to this uh this too but i heard someone say the other day that houses are good because they teach you how to deal with bad clients because you don't get to pick clientele right um and they're like and that's a really important skill to learn later when you're vetting your own clients well i suppose and also it's uh fairly i mean it's a you also have the benefit of Having other people in there, so if something goes wrong, right? You know, uh, if if shit hits the fan, you can know, hey, Larry, or whatever, right? Um, and there's a little slumber party atmosphere that's kind of nice. There's camaraderie, really? and not at all places. Some places are really competitive. Um, where I was like the place I went, you know, I started at was a little less competitive, and it was like a like, slumber party a little bit, and like the kind of slumber party that guys imagine girls have. Really? Because like you're sitting around in fetish clothing sometimes, like, you know. So like, okay, you, you can't start. <laughs> so you're talking like tickle fights and pillow fights. I, w- I wouldn't go that far, but like there was a lot of like sitting around in your lingerie or your fetish clothing. There are not many pillow fights, though. Um. That's really interesting. It's very interesting. <laughs> uh, I'm gonna have to research that more. <laughs> I, mean, I know what I'll be googling later. Actually, I, I know the first question I'm gonna ask Sod when she gets home. Hey, uh, actually, she's told me stories too when she worked at a house, and how sometimes it was that sort of like that very you know camaraderie, and also, man, you know what? If I could be a fly on the wall. That we would say, like, oh, if our clients could see us, you know, behind the scenes, I don't know, it might ruin the, you know. <laughs> it might ruin it or, or greatly it, enhance it or? I don't know. It depends on the kind of client you are, I guess. <laughs> and there is some cattiness, of course. Anytime I think you put, like, a bunch of women in a room, that so can happen. But that's just, that's just the competitiveness or? I think so. I think it's the nature of the business a little mm, bit. Yeah. At least at a house. Well, it, it's also, it's difficult because you, you're, whether you, that is your persona or not, when you're doing the pro thing at a house, you're, you have to put on this persona of the goddess or the whatever. Right. And it's hard to sometimes get out of that mode, right? That's just natural. It's human nature, wouldn't you right. think? And I think they encourage you to be a little bit competitive since, you know, at the end of the day, they're getting their cut. Right. <laughs> uh, let me just quickly go through here before I go through, because someone, someone emailed a crap load of questions. Hmm. All right. So I, I don't know if some of these questions... I don't even know who did because someone filled out the the the, the 
contact form on the Masochist website. Mm-hmm. And for their, their email address, they used my email address. So it's Ooh, coming from clever. me. Right, that's very clever. So, some questions for her. I don't know if these are jokes or if, if this is like a friend of yours who has inside information or if this is someone being sincere. I don't know. So I hope I don't offend the person. If this is really, if these are really <laughs> your questions, and some of them are good questions, but some of them also are like, it sounds like they're asking either because it's an inside joke or because they're just for their own. I'm intrigued. <laughs> uh, some questions for her. One, what are some of the most sadistic things you've done in either sessions or scenes? Wow, this person knows that you have a difference or knows that there's a difference between session or scene. <laughs> um, I... Hmm. That's interesting. I wonder if it is someone you know. I don't okay. know. I know a lot of people, right? Um, the most sadistic thing? I, you know, I think that's hard. Like, having been on that panel, right. um, like, it's not like a pissing contest. I mean, I guess sometimes it could be. Um, <laughs> but... You're talking about there's a test panel about for sadistic. Women. Yes, right. So, you know, like, but I know that, like, kinky people kind of like to play that game, but I don't always think that, like, like, it's like, What's sadistic, right? Like, define sadistics. Right. Um, so that that's a difference. I mean, you could do something really simple, and it could be, like, horribly evil. Yeah. Because um, I don't have any extremes. To, I've never, like, chopped anyone's head off or anything like that. No, it's still early in yeah. your career. I, well, that's true. Um, <laughs> yeah, you're right. You're right. It's hard to say, like, what is the most... Yeah, yeah you're right. But this is the... I get this type of question a lot. You know, <laughs> that it's really hard. It's just an impossible question to ask. I mean, still, thank you for asking it. Uh, question number two, do you like sissy boys? <laughs> I'm not opposed to them. Okay. Again, I think this person is, like, asking on, the, on you know what I mean, on, mm-hmm. on their behalf. Yeah. I just, you get that kind of vibe. Okay, whatever. <laughs> uh, what are some perverted things you've done in your personal life? I think, like, my entire personal life is okay. pretty perverted. Again, again, I'm just asking the question. The I person feel like I get emails a little bit like this sometimes. Right. I wonder if this person is, like, maybe... Here's what I, I suspect, is this person is a huge fan of yours, and they've asked you these questions so many times that they're, like, you've marked them as spam, or you've blocked them, and so they're using me now as a conduit. Uh, do you have any personal fetish? fetish let me rephrase that. And it went by actually saying it. Any personal <laughs> fetishes you'd like to share? Do you have yourself any? Do you have any fetishes? Yeah, I, I think so. I mean, fetish, yeah, a little bit. Um, I definitely like leather. Like, I don't necessarily like wearing leather, but I like leather in general. Like, I enjoy the smell and, like, you know, all those things that fetishes enjoy about leather. Um, so that, you know, having, like, grown up in a military family and then riding horses, I feel like, you know, I have really positive associations with leather. <laughs> is that, but do you, do you have, is it just, I like leather, or is it, like, you like? No, leather? I could, like, get into, like, a nice leather space. Actually, one of the best sessions I ever had was, like, with a leather fetishist, and he, like, didn't speak English. He had to save up his tip money to come see me, and he just, like, was like, I like leather, and I don't know why. Right. And... Is that weird? And I was like, no, it's totally awesome. Like, liking leather is cool. <laughs> what is leather space? You said leather space? <laughs> yeah, like, I mean, well, I guess, like, I like to sort of refer to, like, variations of subspace, although not everyone knows what that is either. That's sure. up for, you know, it's like rope space, maybe. Like, the, you know, I've had people, you just kind of throw rope at them and they <laughs> fall over <laughs> in ecstasy. Um, so, leather space kind of being like this, like, I wouldn't say subspace, but like, like a an altered state yeah. that's euphoric or like positive. But you, at the same time, you don't like to wear leather. I don't. I mean, I don't hate wearing leather or right. anything, but it's not my huge preference. Interesting. Uh, 
All right. What are your? I, I, <laughs> what? Uh, let me. I'm going to skip past this one. Here. Oh, come on. <laughs> no, it's just a. Okay. All right. Uh, what are you looking for in clients that come into your session with you? Favorite types of sessions or specialities? What is, is there like? Is there a thing you're like? I love doing this right now. Um, I still like single telling you know people to a bloody pulp. That's really? fun. Who doesn't like that? Do, it's a very dangerous thing to do too. I mean, have you ever accidentally like, made it? I mean, or did you practice a hell of a lot before you started using it? Um, I had a pretty decent teacher. I was still you know there was always more room to learn, and I I mean I kind of am a little bit like. I don't want to single tell everyone to a bloody pulp. I'm pretty selective about who I do that with, honestly. <laughs> do you have like a ooh? I'd really like. Is there a certain type of person you like to single tell? Um, you know, I I can't say that there's a certain kind. I like people who can communicate well. So it's like for me, that's paramount to anything because like that just helps me have a better scene with you. Like if you communicate verbally or you know, like just in any other ways. I like, mean, in the middle of the scene. No, I mean in general that you're able to really like articulate your needs and limits ah, and okay. like be aware, have self awareness, things like that. That really helps a lot. Um, One of the hardest things I think for a lot of people is um, someone will have an idea of where they are on some sort of pain level scale, right? Mm-hmm. And then you know they'll think, oh, I can just take so much, and then. When you run into someone who is experienced, like yourself, and you're like, oh, okay, you're a, a huge pain junkie. And then you do something that's a, a two for you, and they're like, whoa, hey, whoa. That happens all the time, though. Does it? Because I think the fantasy is really hot of, like, you know, being beaten to a bloody pulp, but then they forget that that actually hurts at some point. <laughs> but, like, it stops hurting. You just got to get over the, well, you know, for most right. people at least. <laughs> it's really, it, but it's really hard because some people, you know, there, there, there is, there definitely is a... To get over that hump of where it stops to hurt, you know, you gotta go through a lot of suck. <laughs> it goes through a lot, and, and sometimes you don't, you don't really get there. You know, right. sometimes it can just not not happen. But, um, but you, that happens a lot. Do you, how do you handle that when someone you've never played before and they say, "Oh, I've got it, such a huge high pain tolerance." Do you still say, "All right, we're going to start at the baby level and work our way up"? Or I like I kind of like you kind of like learn to get a feel for like someone who spent a lot of time watching videos and not a lot of time bottoming. Like what? Um, like what is the example? They just oh, uh, I want to like no mercy, no holds barred. <laughs> uh, you know, like judicial, corporal, really hardcore. Judicial. Like any of these words, like are usually not good indicators of being an awesome bottom because they're they're living in their fantasy world. Yeah, I mean, I've definitely had that though. Where it was like, I just you know just want you to go like like I'm like you know like this is like execution style. I'm like, okay, have you ever been hit with a single toe? No. <laughs> have you ever been hit in your life? Not really with anything. No. <laughs> I tripped once. I stubbed yeah. my toe this morning. Does that it was count? a little bit like that. So then we spend a lot of time talking about a better way to maybe approach the fantasy. <laughs> well, good for you for being patient enough, I guess, because that there's a lot of people who would. I like to like so you know when the bit about like what kind of session do you like? I do like giving pain. Like I you know I do and, and have some sort of streak of sadism in me, um, but I like to like seduce people into taking pain, kind of you know, right. like you like trick them a little. So <laughs> <laughs> manipulation is always it. Well, so like you know, there's a basic endorphin cycle that you can kind of work with, and you don't have to actually cause a lot of pain for it to happen. So you could like. Like, basically lead them down the dark path with something nice, like a flogging that's not too hard. And they're like, wow, I got high. And I'm like, you know what's cool? If you hit people harder, they get higher. And then they start going, oh, Mm. so if you hit me harder next time, I could get higher? I'm like, you could. It's a possibility. (laughs) 
<laughs> There's only one way to find out. Exactly. So then before you know it, they're like, what about caning? <laughs> yeah. And you're like, oh, I don't know. I never thought about that. And I'm like, oh, okay. Well, if you want to try it out, I guess we could give it a go. <laughs> and it's like, Corporal, you're, you're, it sounds like, you know, stingy. You like, a, you like stingy. It's what I've heard it sounds. Uh, no, like, I mean, and you know, one of my favorite things to do is those like long rhythmic floggings that kind of build and just get people really, really high. I mean, because, you know, something I think that doesn't happen in a lot of like, quickie like commercial like like basically the house where i was at like not a lot of people were getting in the subspace like that's just not a thing that really happens a yeah. lot right um and as a bottom like i really enjoy getting into subspace it's awesome like so i'd love to share that like experience with people who've never had that uh i asked so there's one other question this person asked and then i'll ask you this other okay uh now they asked what is the funniest slash grossest slash weirdest thing you that happened to you in a session and maybe I'd take the grossest part out. But do you have any? Do you have any? I mean, this is sort of like a. The person took the time to ask the question. Oh so. yeah, and I think that like everyone asks, like right. the pros, they like, kind of get that question a lot. I, I think I used to ask it all the time that I just don't ask it anymore. But um, so without like you know blowing up anyone's spot, there was one time in a house session that someone came in with you know the takeout container from the diner, and I was like, oh, did you bring your dinner because like you didn't have time to eat, and it was like hot cheesy pasta, and he was like, no, 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 no this is my session. And I was like, well, uh, what? <laughs> but, it, you know, and it was splashing, which isn't oh, then that weird wanted, anymore. He wanted you to throw it at him? But or? it was like hot, like steaming hot, cheesy pasta. It was like burning my hands. Um, <laughs> and what, what, all right. So were you just, you wanted to throw it on, on his body or? Yeah, pretty much. Was there like humiliation on top of this? Or was I mean, he was, he, 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 he had like some running dialogue that went with it, but it wasn't like, it was more about the splashing. What was the dialogue? He he just like he had the same questions. He'd be like, "Oh, what? Like, have you ever thrown like hot cheesy pasta at anyone else?" I'm like, "Nope, <laughs> sure haven't." It's the first. Really, never? No hot cheesy pasta? I don't know. I didn't have any like good hot cheesy pasta stories. Now, now this might be a money making opportunity. Uh, HotCheesyPasta.com. <laughs> Possibly. I'm serious. I bet you anything. <laughs> uh, okay, so th- here's the other question that that, yes. uh, that this brought up. So you're let's say you're doing a, a caning scene or something mm-hmm. like that. Um, do you like it when your bottom is like very, let, let's say you're just really wailing on them. Do you like it when the, the bottom is, their body is really reacting a lot and it's really hard for them to stay up, but they're like forcing themselves to stay up, but they're clearly like, they're still moving around a lot. Or do you like it when your bottom uh, it has so much self-control that they're barely even moving, but they're obviously still reacting verbally or something like that, but they're, they're, they're trying to be as much of a pillar as possible. Um, I don't love stoic bottoms. I will say that. And a lot of times when I've had them, they think that's what they're supposed to be doing. And that I've never communicated that I want them to be stoic. And they're like, oh, I just assumed that I need to never show emotion. But that's like, you know, I think a lot of sadists would say they're also reactionist. And so for me, like not getting the reaction is like. So what is the reaction? Because there's there, in my mind. I'm trying to if, if like if there's like a cane like a really heavy cane, I'm trying I'm trying to stop myself from going fuck Jesus and just like <laughs> like what are you doing why why would you, that that is the extreme I see. That, that I'm preventing myself from doing right because my body wants to say that's what no don't that's 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 a bad feeling don't do that but. And that's why I'm trying to stay still and preventing myself from... I've heard you make really awesome sounds even when you're standing still, though. <laughs> but no, but I'm standing still. But so that, that's, it, that's why it comes out of my, my, my vocal cords, right? Yes. 
And so, but at the same time, like I saw and I had a spanking session the other night and I was like, you know, my butt would like clench. And I was like, and as soon as I would do that, I'd be like, don't do that, you know, because I was, I didn't know, even though we've been together for like five years, in, in my brain, mm-hmm. I still think she doesn't want me to like lock up, right? I do discourage people from braced readiness or um, those sort of really, like, where you tense up every single muscle in your body. I don't right. know that it, like, if that's your only pain processing tool you have, like, okay, I guess. Um, but I feel like a lot of people sometimes, like, when they do that, I'm going to clench up every single muscle in my body, <laughs> are preventing a little bit of the experience from happening. Um, and I kind of like that. What do you mean? Like, so I have started really like shake, like open like I've always like incur- like obviously like I'm a granola dom because I'm like you know we should be doing deep yogic breathing or like you know you kind of breathe from down here to like have more of the experience because like you know, having a performance background we talk about emotional centers that are run through your middle of your body and if you breathe through them you can access things and so I incorporate a lot of that in my session um, or like leaving your hands open and loose makes a huge difference because like it's it just kind of encourages you to be loose everywhere else but if you're like you okay for me like if it's stingy <laughs> i have to have my hands on the wall to push against right? right and if i'm if if i i don't know what i'd do with my hands if i you know otherwise i'm sorry go i didn't mean to no it's fine you know and that's a new technique um that i sort of i i started working with law domain smr and that's their it's written in their books about this is their sort of position and they have theories on pain processing which you know i like those ones and i have tried it myself and it changes the dynamic to uh, about how you're processing with the person that's giving you the pain, I think. Um, so for me, I like when people make sounds or cry or laugh. But laughing is actually one of the best ones when people just like kind of spontaneously start. They can't stop laughing. Right. And they're like, I don't know why I'm laughing. It hurts so much. That's probably my favorite, favorite one. That's one thing that because people always, whenever I talk to someone and, and they hear sudden I have a scene or see side they're like I thought they'd be a lot more laughing because I don't I don't laugh in that situation right no <laughs> uh, and they think they, they assume oh I bet you guys are just whacking all the time and quite the opposite I don't I don't laugh and I said but, but I do have it's weird because I, I have found lately like if someone has something really bad I will start laughing like sometimes I had bad news it's hard for me not to laugh for some reason because that's like my that is my like I had a friend who whose uh, whose brother died recently, and he told me that. And it was so hard for me not to go really, because it's just I don't know how to react any other way, right? Whatever. Um, but yeah, so so maybe maybe Sadden, I should try just like not having my hands against the wall or something like that or whatever. Like for me, you know, I used to as a bottom, and I know every single bottom is different on how they process pain. No, you know? that's not true. <laughs> Everyone's the same. There's only one two-way. But so I spend a lot of time really clenching up. You see me bottom, and I get really, like, fucking bratty and, like, (laughs) things like that. Um, But I, I, you know, and so I've been as a bottom trying to change how I process pain, which involves, for me, like, leaving my hands loose. And that just changes the rest of my body language to, like, learn to not – make an effort to not clench up and and learn to process in a different direction. Right. like had a really great single tail scene which I don't take the single tail well at all um, but like I decided I would process with gratitude or something and, and that changed the whole scene for me and it made it ecstatic instead of like horrible it's really interesting um, so and I think obviously it makes a difference who's topping you yeah um, so for me that's been a really good tool is to like try to like 
embrace or accept the sensation. I mean, I did, you know, ask for this scene generally. Right. <laughs> um, so, That's, uh, do you find? Last question. Yep. And I, I, I know you, I didn't. I didn't. I didn't tell you how long much time my day I take of yours. So <laughs> um, do you find you have to sort of hide the switch side of you from the pro scene? I that was like a big sort of dilemma with me. Um, I went through a phase when I was starting out when I was bottoming and I didn't want people to know I bottomed because then they wouldn't think I was a good pro top or whatever. Um, and, you know, or like I would, would say like, oh, I'm a bottom, but I'm never submissive, which I think like never and always are really dangerous words anyways. Yeah. Um, now I care a little less. I don't advertise it because I don't pro switch or pro sub. Yeah. And like, look, honestly, I'm probably not going to sub to... You know, whoever is writing me in my inbox. Did, did you, has anyone ever caught, like, quote unquote, caught wind that you've you bought them somewhere and then they're like, I can't believe, you know, like, or it's headline news? Even though I think I, that's what I thought would happen. <laughs> um, but, like, in the lifestyle, most people know me as a bottom. Some people don't even, I mean, now people know a pro, like, a little bit more or see yeah. me. I top a little bit more, like, in the scene, but for a while, I only ever bottom. Yeah. You probably remember that time. And, People would be like, oh, wow, I didn't know you knew, like, didn't even know. Right. You know, um, I still have people who say that, that are like, oh, I didn't know you were a pro, or I didn't know you were a top ever. Yeah. Um, I remember, like, one time specifically, I was at, like, a lifestyle party that wasn't, like, it was, like, mostly just, like, sort of, like, you know, lifestyle community people, and they said, Amigo's here, and she's topping someone <laughs> with, like, this, like, note of astonishment in their voice. <laughs> um, but no, I think I don't care as much because... I'm a lifestyle person before I'm a pro, and really? like if like you didn't want to see me because of that, then I probably don't want to see you anyway. Right, <laughs> right. I just remember it was really weird when Saad and I uh, first started spending time together. I don't think people were dating just yet. It was her birthday, mm-hmm. and she for her birthday she let I think she, I think she had just turned twenty five or something like that, and she let uh, twenty five different people give her one spanking. Right? Mm-hmm. And the next day, all over one of the boards, it was like, Saad is submissive or something like that. And they were like, I can't believe it. Shocker news. And, and I remember Saad just going, oh, whatever. Fuck you guys. You know, just it's, it was just a huge, there was like this big thing, you know. Yeah. It, was like, it was like really, and it seems to me now that's not as much of a thing. I could be wrong now. Um, I think some people like still believe in like the natural born, you know, dominant sort of that the mis- you know the myth of right. or whatever um but for me you know i also was like look if i need to be in control so much that i can never give it up even on a voluntary basis then i'm not in control really <laughs> right, right, so right. for me it's important to bottom and i enjoy doing it so you know i don't know i'm not going to let bad press like stop me from it's doing really things weird, i enjoy it's there's even any press isn't it weird that there's like <laughs> I don't know, it's, uh, uh so was this hard was this difficult um, it wasn't as painful as I thought it would be. I'm a little disappointed. <laughs> <laughs> Very sorry. Maybe the next time you can come back, I'll, I'll, I'll make it even worse. Did you bring your own questions? Because that's I don't have any questions for you. You're going to bring your own questions next time. Uh, thank you for doing this. Thank you. For I'm so glad. It, it's taken years. Years. The people listening have no idea how many <laughs> years it's been. I think it's like three years, probably. Something yes. that they've been bugging you. For. Oh, God. Oh, I'm so glad you finally agreed to it. Thank you for doing this. Thank you for having me. Not only can you find all of her contact info uh, and her Twitter username, all that stuff, on the Massacast website, Massacast.com, but you can also see some she has scanned in 
some of the pages that she wrote that she talked about in the interview there, some of the, the details in her journal that she says is embarrassing, but she's a good sport and she's included them uh, on this episode. So you can go to the Master Guest website and see it there. Thank you very much for listening. We'll talk to you later.